Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our podcast show today, episode 148. I'm talking about partner lessons, both online and in person. My good friend, Dr. Shannon Coates, is starting a series about debunking the myths and biases in our industry. Our good friend, Dr. Alan Henderson, the executive director of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, is sharing some amazing opportunities and the deadlines for those amazing opportunities. And I have a fun clip from my interview with Justin Peterson and Brian Lee from The Voice Culture Podcast. Oh my goodness. Vocal pedagogy, opportunities within our industry, and fun conversations with colleagues right here on The Full Voice Podcast. Hello. Thank you. And welcome. Welcome to the show. I have fabulous conversations today. I have a lot of fun. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release or around time of release, it is mid-October. And here in Hemford Forest, it is spectacular. The colors, the trees are just phenomenal. And we've had a very mild autumn which makes me a little scared because I'm thinking that winter's just, you know, warming up and or <laughs> cooling down. Um, but uh, it's been stunning and I've been going out for walks and trying to enjoy the, the, the day and the new weather and the colors. It's just been amazing. So I hope that you are enjoying this season wherever you are. Um, I also want to share with everybody, uh, before I get into our conversations and our interviews, there's some serious fun happening on Instagram right now, okay? Mid-October, if you're listening to this podcast at time of release, mid-October 2021. If you are on Instagram, uh, I have been uh, challenging my colleagues to tongue twister battles well, not really battles, but just tongue twister challenges. <laughs> Battle to the death. Um, what a squid game. Uh, yes, squid game? Is it squid game? No, that's that's a very dark show. I watched one episode and I couldn't watch anymore. Anyhow, um, I've been challenging my colleagues uh, to tongue twister challenges on Instagram. And if you want to jump in and have some fun, oh, you might end up with like, a little package, uh, a little gift from me that will arrive in the mail. So if you have a favorite tongue twister that you love and that you have fun with your students and you want to share it, you're going to do a video on Instagram and you're going to tag me. If you don't tag me, I won't see it. So you have to tag me at the full voice and just put tongue twister challenge, uh, somewhere in the description. Uh, and I want to shout out to, to Kenya battle, who saw my challenge and raised me a very funky sheep should sleep in the shed y'all, which was beautiful. And I also want to shout out to Jocelyn from BC. Uh, she shared one of my favorites. It's hard. It's harder than you think. Um, so this is the sushi chef. That's a real tough one. So I want to thank those ladies for jumping on board and having fun. But if you have a good tongue twister, and you like, uh, you like having some fun, uh, join us, tag me at the full voice, uh, 
Share your fun tongue twister and you may receive a little gift in the mail. Now, for those of you, and I know you're out there, who are rolling your eyes going, oh, tongue twister is so boring. I want to challenge you. I do tongue twisters with all of my students, including the adults, and there is always smiling. There is always laughter. Play-based learning, my friends, is powerful. It is how we all learn best. It lights up our brains. And I guarantee that your adults, your your moody teenagers, your young adults, and your older avocational students could probably use a good chuckle. Um, And of course, pedagogically speaking, you can talk about the articulators, you can get all sciencey if you want to and discuss all of those things. That's always fun. Question mark. Anyhow, um, but do not hesitate to have some fun in your lessons, whether they're online or in person. Tongue twisters are such a great warm up. And I find with tongue twisters and fun games like that, those are such great icebreakers. If your student comes in and they're low energy or they've had a bad day or they're just maybe not ready to sing right away. And and sometimes we forget that. Like, I don't always want to burst into song. (laughs) Um, So again, Tongue Twister is a lot of fun, lots of great teaching uh, opportunities. And join us on Instagram at the full voice, share your tongue twister. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we'll, uh, if we see it, uh, bonus points, if you sing it, um, but you might get something in the mail from the full voice. welcomed back my students into my teaching studio. I delayed the start of my teaching season this year just because we had moved and I've always kind of started after the school season starts. Um, And I know that that's not that's not possible for everyone, but it's something that I would highly recommend uh, teachers consider. When I used to start, when school started, I had a lot of very tired, overwhelmed kids and very stressed out parents. So I moved the start of my teaching year to a, a week after school started to let them have that first week and getting used to their routines. Um, But this year I actually moved to the start of my season a little bit later for my family because we have relocated and we wanted to make sure our son was getting settled and I wanted to just give everybody a bit more time to get settled. And, you know, there's new COVID protocols in the schools and I just thought it would be easier for everyone if we started a little bit later. Now, I've welcomed back my students. We've had a lot of fun. The other day, one of my favorite students, well, they're all my favorite students. One of my favorite students actually had one of my other students at her house. 
And uh, they were they are in the same class and they were uh, working on a class project. So uh, my two students were together in the same place. So I had a I'm doing air quotes, a partner lesson, and we had a lot of fun. Now that made me think of some of the opportunities and some of the, um, some of the things that I had done in the past with partner lessons when I was in person, but also how I facilitated partner lessons online. Um, so let's start with in person. Now, many of you, uh, many teachers are now embracing uh, hybrid models in your teaching studio. You have in-person lessons, but you are also offering online lessons as well. I think that is absolutely fabulous. What incredible opportunities we have now with offering both in-person and online from a safety standpoint, I think it's fabulous. So if we are not feeling well, or if our students aren't feeling well, or, you know, sadly, if there is an increase in COVID cases, you still can have productive lessons and you can still provide the services that you want to provide. Um, sometimes it's just more convenient if you have a little sniffle, even if it's a little cold, you can still have an online lesson. I think that's fabulous. Um, but, uh, when I was teaching in person, I was always, uh, happy if my singers of any age, but mostly it was the kids, <laughs> Although I had some adults bring a friend in from time to time. It it happened. Um, but I loved when my little singers would bring in a friend. Now, thankfully, my families were always very courteous. They would contact me first to see if that was um, okay. And, um, and I, at first I was hesitant. I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not going to get my productive lesson in. And what if they don't want to sing? But I've always found that for the most part, um, having a friend in the lesson has been a wonderful opportunity. Uh, many of my little students have actually enjoyed singing with their friends. And I've always tried to make the lesson inclusive. So even though the friend may not be a singer, and I always ask them, do you like to sing? Have you ever sung? And you know, a lot of them are pretty shy and they all say no. And I said, well, there's some fun activities that we do and you are more than welcome to have fun with us. Um, and again, uh, what I, one of the things that I love to do with, um, um, partner lessons, of course, tongue twisters. Tongue twisters are a wonderful way to get started because you're not singing, but you're certainly having fun. Um, and then if the student is interested, I was I would always uh, ask them if they wanted to do any of the singing warm-ups. And sometimes they would say yes, and sometimes they would say no. Um, I also would encourage them to be, you know, well, so-and-so uh, uh, is working on a song and you get to be the audience. And there's just lots of ways that you can really encourage active listening and um, supportiveness. Uh, and uh, I, I did, heads up, I did have uh, a student that was a little disruptive, that was uh, a little distracting, but I was able to reel them in and get them involved. And I basically came down to, look, if you're going to be distracting, I'm going to make you sing. And then that kind of kept her in place. But uh, yeah, I'm not using singing as a punishment. That's not what I am recommending. Anyhow, 
Partner lessons uh, can really be fabulous. One, your student gets an audience. Now, what has happened in some of my partner lessons is they, the student themselves, has been interested in singing and then I, I get a phone call or an email from that student's uh, parent. That has happened a couple of times over the years. Now, when we went to online lessons, um, it, you know, after we had gotten settled and everything was running smoothly, that took what, I don't know, six months. Uh, anyhow, I had two little singers of similar age that uh, I wanted them to sing a duet. And we did Donna Rodenizer's Hummy Hummingbirds, which is a beautiful uh, first uh, it's a first partner song. It's, it's very, very simple and it's mostly call and answer. Call and answer is a wonderful introduction to harmony singing. There is a lot of active listening when the, they have to listen to themselves and to their partner. They have to know when to come in and Hummy Hummingbirds is such a sweet little song and that's on our website. So I wanted my two little singers to sing Hummy Hummingbirds. So I started by in their private lessons online letting them sing, uh, learning their parts. And, and, and we looked at the score and we talked about the piano and, and I told them what was going to happen with the other voice and how they were to work together when both of them were ready. Oh, and by the way, knowing that all of us or most of us are teaching online, the, the Hummy Hummingbird download has two backing tracks one with part A and one with part B. So I made sure that my students had their backing tracks to sing with. So when I got the girls together in the online lesson, so I gave, we did some fun warm-ups together. We did some uh, bongo cat. If you Google bongo cat, you'll find bongo cat. I did some rhythms using bongo cat. We did some tongue twisters. We did a couple of our fun vocal roller coasters. I got the girls to draw their own vocal roller coasters for each other. And then they sang each other's and there was lots of laughing. When we got to the song, um, I let them sing for each other. So I got the one singer to mute and then my little singer performed her part of the song and then they switched and the other singer sang her part of the song. Then now this is where we get tricky with latency and with Zoom things. Then what I did is I said, okay, singer number one, you're going to sing. Uh, singer number two, you're going to be muted, but you are going to sing the responses. You're the answer part. So although I won't hear you, you're going to be practicing with singer number one and then vice versa. So I do that with my small group class as well. When we are learning parts, I give each of the students an opportunity to be to sing for me unmuted while the other singers are muted, but they are still practicing. This has actually worked out really well because sometimes when you're practicing, you don't want people to hear your mistakes. So my students actually like when they're muted and I'm watching 
I'm watching them. I know all of their evilness. I watch them to make sure they're they're singing. And I can tell when they're just mouthing the words. And I do call them out. I know you're just mouthing the words. Please make sure you're practicing while the other person is singing. So that's one of the ways that I facilitate online lessons with more than one singer. So the singer gets muted, but they are practicing along with the other one. And then we switch. Now, what was beautiful is these two singers were together in the same room and I got them to sing Hummy Hummingbirds together. And it was so lovely. It was just a lot of fun. Um, but that is something that I just wanted to share with everybody. Partner lessons can work online and in person. They can be an amazing opportunity for singers to build their confidence because they're singing for each other. Um, and, uh, it's an, it's also a way if it's uh, somebody that's not from your studio to maybe introduce somebody into your studio or to at least give them, uh, a trial lesson, I'm doing air quotes here, um, to see if you would like maybe a new student or they might like to do uh, singing lessons. Wonderful opportunities there. So I hope you get the opportunity to maybe invite another singer into your Zoom room or whatever platform you're using, or if you are teaching in person, to welcome somebody's friend and have some fun. Dr. Shannon Coates is a good friend and a regular guest here at the Full Voice Podcast. Her passion is helping teachers be the best teacher they possibly can be. And we are starting a new series about debunking some of those myths in the teaching industry. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, Dr. Shannon Coates, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Nikki. I'm thrilled to be here again. <laughs> oh, I, it is always lovely to talk to you. We uh, and before I hit record, we talked for what, like an hour. <laughs> About that, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're all caught. So Shannon and I are all caught up. So now we can get down to business. We have a great series here, and this is a wonderful idea, and I want to thank Shannon for this. We're going to be talking about debunking, reframing, investigating some of those long-standing myths and maybe biases, challenges in voice pedagogy. And I love it. And there's a lot of them. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Many absolutes, right? So these things that we kind of have taken on and we don't necessarily investigate or, as you said, consider, perhaps we took something on in our training or from our uh, previous voice teacher or somewhere along the line. And we, you know, we use that now in our voice studio and we consider it an absolute. It's a must do. And we don't investigate whether or not it actually is a must do or an absolute. So we're going to investigate some of those in this series. I love it. And, you know, thank you for all of this, because I think most teachers right now, all of us are working very hard to create safe spaces to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. We're looking to be more inclusive right? In mm -hmm. our language, in our teaching, and how we approach, we are 
learning more about um, neurodivergence and how other mm-hmm. people learn and, 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 you know, how they exist in their space and time. And it's a lot. It's a lot, I think. There's days where I get overwhelmed. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And along with that, right, where I think the majority of our, uh, well, our colleagues, our independent voice teacher colleagues, and all voice teachers, we're all, you know, we're, we're not in this because we want to like, hurt people. <laughs> you know, we're not in this because we're, we're trying to be punitive, or, you know, um, we're, we're in this because we love singing, we love music, and we love teaching, and we love working with voices, right? So we're, we, we, take on these things with the best of intentions, you know, and of course we all know where the best of intentions sometimes leads, but we, we take on some of these without considering them because we have the best of intentions. And, you know, my voice teacher told me this, this, and this. And so, you know, I want to be a good voice teacher like my voice teacher was. And so now I do it that way too. And we just, we just don't consider it. And there's a lot. So that's, I mean, that's why we're going to do these in little short little chunks, but there, there is a lot, there's a lot out there and there's a lot um, of reframing that we can do. And sometimes, yeah, it can be a little overwhelming and we'll keep it, we'll keep it pretty short. I, yeah, I thank you for all of that. I, I think most people, we do have our best interest, our be, people's best interests and we're trying to be the best that we can be. Um, but I also think it takes a lot of courage to, investigate why we feel a certain way and um and I and I want to thank you for helping us to look at different things and maybe why it exists I know that I get a lot of questions um and about and this is our first little topic it's the whole one of those long term like long time standing discriminate I like to think of it as discrimination right there's a lot of discrimination and bias in our industry right there's and it's it usually is um, be, to age and ability, right? Age and ability in our industry. There's a lot of discrimination. So, and and let's start with the whole thing about kids. Why is there so much still to this day? Although the conversations are much friendlier, and and there's so many teachers doing wonderful work with kids. But where did that come from? Why, why was it like puberty was when we were supposed to, that's like the worst time ever to start someone with singing lessons. <laughs> worst. I know, I know. <laughs> so I, I have to admit that I haven't done any formal research into like why <laughs> or where this, where this, you know, exactly where this first started or where this sort of insidious thing came from. Um, what I do know is that, uh, as you said, it, the conversation is certainly changing. And yet we still have uh, voice ped teachers. We still have voice ped programs. We still have lots of independent teachers out there saying, no, this eight-year-old can't take voice lessons because it's going to ruin their voice or they're going to damage their voice in some way or they're going to hurt themselves in some way. So the, um, and again, that comes from good intentions, doesn't it? It comes from like, I don't, I, I personally either I don't or I don't want this 
um, uh, young singer to be damaged in some way or to, you know, be hurt in some way. So that really does come from best of intentions, but we don't examine why is that actually true? Is that actually true that a young singer is going to, you know, incur some kind of damage? And for the most part, the, the voice teachers who uh, s- still do sort of believe this and say this to this day, in my, in my experience, have a little bit of a misunderstanding about what voice lessons can be and what voice lessons should be, right? So often it's, it's uh, teachers who think that when we're teaching uh, an eight-year-old or someone, a young singer, when we're working with a young singer, we are working with them to try to create adult or teenager kinds of sounds, right? So we're working with where the outcome is going to be that they're going to sound like, you know, an, a, a, an adult singing an aria, or they're going to sound like Adele, or like that's, we're trying to get them to sound like an adult. And so that's, and that is, and can be damaging, that can be, uh, that that definitely is not a great way to work with singers, young singers, and it certainly can be damaging. So, that seems to be the undercurrent of when folks say no, they shouldn't take voice lessons because they'll be damaged because they haven't the 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 folks who I've you know seen who have this who ha- who still hold on to this, they haven't realized or somehow haven't examined what voice lessons can look like for children and the fact that children can, you know, can build all of the foundational, we can build all of those foundational things around singing without creating the tension, the the engagement patterns and all of the things that are not healthy because we're trying to make them sound like adults. We can have them or like a matured, uh, you know, body or larynx, right? We can work within an immature larynx, an immature body, an immature instrument and still work on those foundational things of quote, good technique. We can still work on those things, but they can be at the level of the child and we're not working toward having them sound like an adult. So in other words, like an example of this would be, um, you know, I don't, I don't love the word or the descriptor pure vowels because there's a lot that comes with that from like Western classical singing and choirs and all that stuff, right? But we all kind of know what we mean by pure vowels. So and, and I've got big quotes around pure vowels. You can't see me, but I have big quotes around those, big air quotes around that. So as a voice teacher, you know, I may think that it's my responsibility to ensure that the student I'm working with or the singer I'm working with understands how to create, quote, pure vowels or a legato, sustained legato sound. Okay, that's fine. Those are two things that are not necessarily um, appropriate at an adult or mature larynx level, mature body level, um, uh, uh, sorry, that tonal outcome is not appropriate for a young singer. They cannot necessarily, they don't have the articulation coordination, they don't have the, uh, the, um, the musculature yet, Uh, and that coordination yet, to be able to create, quote, pure vowels. I mean, 
they do in some senses too, but, or to be able to have a sustained, say, legato phrase over a long period of time. Their bodies can't do that yet. And, and if we don't understand that about singing and we, and we think that that's what we should be teaching to young singers, then yes, there will be some, there, there could, there is a potential for damage there. Right. So we need to have, so that when we're still thinking to ourselves, okay, well, this is the, you know, this is going to damage young singers. They're not going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. That is something to examine because what do you think the outcome of a lesson with young singers is supposed to be? You, you might think that it's supposed, they're supposed to sound like teenagers or like a mature singer. And that's just not true. Right. So we're not going to teach those same things. The other thing that I often hear, um, and you've likely heard this as well, right? Like that, that um, they don't have the attention span or they don't have the focus to be able to, to do like a, a traditional voice lesson, right? Like they can't, they don't have the, they don't have the focus to be able to do a warm up, which we're going to talk about, to do a warm up and do their sight singing and do their blah, 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 and do their, you know, learn three songs. Like they don't have the maturity to do that. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> So what? <laughs> if that's the only way you know how to teach, then you maybe need to re-examine your teaching, right? Like that's that's a lesson for an older singer, and that does not disqualify young singers from taking voice lessons. I'm just going to interject there. I have worked with adults, vocational adults, and professional singing adults, and I have in, in you know I have encountered many of them who also lacked that attention span. They might not get all fidgety and wiggly and tell me that they're bored, but I can tell that they're in the room and they are no longer in the room learning anything. So I love when people say children don't have the attention span. It's like, have you really paid attention to some of your adults? Because whether they have, because a lot of my adults come to me with learning challenges. A lot of them are on the spectrum. A lot of them have, have just recently been diagnosed as having um, ADHD or focusing challenges. Like it's not just kids that struggle there. So that, I don't think that argument works. Yeah, exactly. And that, again, that comes back to examining. So this absolute around how we have to set up a lesson and how a singing lesson looks, this absolute, I mean, (laughs) that's a little bit off topic for this one, but that, that comes back to examining this absolute around how a singing lesson is supposed to be structured and how it has to look. And, and, you know, is that actually true? No, it's not actually true. I mean, that is perhaps how you were taught or perhaps how, you know, you were told things needed to be, but that is not true. It's just not true. I want to thank you. This is, this is very helpful. And I hope for my listeners, it gives us some, it gives us some inspiration to reflect on maybe how, how we were taught, but how we can grow from that experience and, and open up new teaching ideas. And I love that. Now, next time we are, uh, next time I have you back, we're going to talk about practicing. Practicing. So those absolute myths about practicing and what is practicing and what is effective practicing. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Looking forward to it. The Full Voice Podcast is proud to be part of the Nats Cast 
family. And we love sharing all of the wonderful things that are happening at our organization. The National Association of Teachers of Singing has many opportunities in all genres of singing. And our good friend, Dr. Alan Henderson, is going to share all of those upcoming opportunities and the deadlines associated with them. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. Uh, my friend, colleague, and our fearless leader at the Nats organization, Dr. Alan Henderson. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Nikki? I'm fantastic. And uh, I just want to, uh, before we get started, I just want to thank you for everything that you are doing for our organization. You led our entire organization and all of our people, uh, singing teachers from around the world through pandemic. You gave us resources. You you kept the the convention happening with an online convention. You are you work tirelessly, and uh, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's been a joy. It's been a lot of work, and we've had a lot of help and a lot of great not just staff, but our membership. You know, really kind of rose to the occasion and mm-hmm. pulled out all our contacts and stops to kind of make sure we were serving everybody as well as possible during this time. And we've been really fortunate. And I I want to just um, a personal thank you. So I don't think I've mentioned this before, but Many years ago, you and I met at an MTNA convention in Albuquerque. I was actually six months pregnant with my son, and it was my first convention. I was sharing a booth. I had my little voice books out there, and you were probably the most encouraging person I have ever met, and you gave me all sorts of contacts, and you cheered me on. I have never forgotten that. So I want to thank you for that support way back in the very beginning of, uh, of I think that was second edition workbooks that were there wow. at the convention. <laughs> I know. That's so great. That was, so that was like, that was 11 years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Uh, and to think of where you are today. Oh my goodness. I know. Well, with all the support that we've had, I, I can't. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, we are talking about upcoming uh, opportunities through our organization. Um, we've got a couple of them that actually have some deadlines, so we want to make sure that people know about them. So um, I would love to first talk about the intern program. That's a big program through Nats. If you could let everybody know about that. It is. We're, I think, going to be in our 32nd year next year wow. uh, of the Nats Interim Program. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it's been that many years. And it really has, you know, been a signature program uh, of Nats for many years. It's had a growth and iteration. You know, things have changed from year to year and, uh, and improved. And uh, so... Yeah, this last year we had two programs because we delayed the 2020 program. Uh, they were the first live events Nats had done post-pandemic back in this last May, late May and early June. Uh, and we had a lot of protocols set up, and they just went really well. It was it was a sweet spot in the in the pandemic. Uh, before the Delta variant kind of took off, and so we were, you know, we it just worked out and we had a great time. It was a really 
energetic time because just everybody was so glad to be together. And uh, so it was a great spirit and a great a group of people. And we had a little bit of overlap. So for two days, we actually had, you know, both groups, about 50 people, you know, all together, you know, singing teachers from around. And I think there's a picture on our website somewhere, maybe on the intern program page of, of that picture from last year. So, you know, it's really just been a great program uh, that uh, as, has provided some really wonderful mentoring for teachers of all backgrounds uh, and those who teach and work in all, all kinds of styles. Um, and our master teachers this year are really top notch. They are every year, but we've got a great group this year of Barbara Hill Moore, uh, Daryl Taylor, many people know from his work, especially with the African American Art Song Coalition. Um, Scott Piper, he's at the University of Michigan and crosses genres quite a bit in his career and his teaching. And, uh, and our friend Eden Castile, independent teacher is going to be a master teacher this year. Uh, so it should be great. And then Alan Darling is our collaborative piano, pianist uh, master teacher this year. And he's in Chicago and works with all kinds of singers uh, in the Chicago area in the lyric program, as well as at Northwestern. And so um, this is just a great lineup of, of master teachers for this coming summer. Uh, it so happens that uh, we're going to be hosting it again at Georgia Southern University in Statesboro, Georgia, where they had the ones last summer uh, worked out so well. And we had some scheduling issues with some other plans. And so, um, so they agreed to host us again. So it's going to be a really wonderful time. It's a great space to have it. We've got some great uh, students to be uh, the students of the interns. And it's just a really wonderful time. And one of the great things, of course, is that it just creates a wonderful spirit of giving and also just uh, collaboration among this group of people that continues long, long after their participants. Uh, I was a participant in the intern program early in my career and still remain, you know, good friends and contacts with many of my cohort uh, even today, and we've kept up with one another and see each other in different places. And uh, it's just been a great relationship, as well as those relationships that uh, that we have with the master teachers who were who were there. Uh, and so, I would encourage you know anyone, whether you're an independent teacher, or teaching any contemporary styles, as which as well as uh, traditional classical uh, styles, to to submit your application, it's it is a, a highly sought after program, so it is is competitive. Uh, but the the best thing for you to do is is to make a couple of videos of some uh, uh, just short segments of some lessons you're teaching. Uh, look at look for all the uh, information you need to submit. Some recordings of your singing, uh, which should highlight what you do. Uh, I think that's another thing that that has been changed uh, over the years is the kinds of repertoire you're expected as a teacher to submit in your application. If your main uh, source of both teaching and maybe even performing as well as jazz, then go for it and center the work that you submit around that. Uh, don't feel like you have to put yourself in a box 
as something you're not in order to be considered. I think that's really important as we've uh, kind of moved things in different directions in recent years. Beautiful. Now, um, I'm going to put links on the show note to all of the Nats pages on the website. Nats has a new website, by the way, which is looking beautiful. So um, I'll, uh, if, you, if people haven't checked that out, please do so. Um, I wanted to I wanted to thank you before we move on to the next uh, opportunity. I think a lot of teachers worry about that it's strictly classical, but you've made it very clear that jazz, musical theater, contemporary styles are welcome as well in the intern program. Yes, and uh, this past summer was a perfect example of some really interesting ways that the whole program was different and had a whole different energy because of the kinds of people that were put in the mix uh, for the intern program. And we had Craig Terry as a master teacher, and he's kind of set everybody on all the pianists on fire, uh, you know, (laughs) about expanding their skill sets and, you know, giving them some more skills relative to that. Um, So it was just a really energized uh, experience. And we had some interns, you know, who have very diverse studios and very diverse backgrounds. Uh, and, you know, they brought all of that to everyone. And it just really helped everybody expand, you know, their horizons and and see what's possible with us in our careers today. That is so inspiring and it's so nice that we're opening up all of those different uh, genres and and different styles of teaching when is the deadline for yeah, this december 15th is the deadline okay. so still have a couple of months but because i always say go ahead and start recording a few you know 15 minute segments with some students and lessons you know so that you've got some things to draw on nice and, uh, and that way you have choices and you're not waiting to the last minute. It's the same thing with some of your recordings. You might start thinking about uh, kind of picking and choosing those uh, appropriately. But everything's on the website as far as uh, applications, and you can always email us if you have questions. That is so helpful. Um, I also know that the Art Song Composition Award deadline is coming up in December as well. Can you give everybody a little bit of information about that opportunity? Yes, that deadline is December 1st. And this program has been going quite a while as well. And through it, uh, Nats has really promoted the... um, advancement of of quality vocal literature uh, by promoting new works for singers. And we do that in this program uh, by providing cash awards to uh, the selected winning composers and also premiering uh, their work that they submitted uh, at the national conference. And a few years ago, we were fortunate to get some additional funding and support from uh, the composer Lori Lakeman, and um, and as a result, we've been able to make this an annual competition instead of a biennial, and um, and so at every conference now we actually have two winners since our conference is, is every other year, and so we have two new you know works that are presented as part of the conference uh, through uh, the awards that are in uh, this program. And 
we've had some wonderful, you know, premieres in the last, uh, you know, decade, especially, but even well before that, uh, when this program began, it really has created uh, an, a really nice community for the composers who love art song. And that's something we've really been fostering uh, very actively in the past few years. And as a result, we have a, a number of composers who have become members of NATS. They uh, make it a point to be at our conferences and they see it as a great opportunity to connect with singers uh, and talk about new projects. You know, just chew the fat about what's happening in the world of of singing and art song and what new directions uh, things are taking. So, yeah, this, you know, has it's also we've had, you know, an increasing number of submissions in recent years as well. So it's really taken off in in interest. And uh, some of these songs uh, you can go to our website and see the history of all the winners uh, as well. But, you know, some of these uh, cycles people will recognize they've since been recorded. They've been performed quite a few times by leading artists. So it's really been interesting and pleasing and uh, rewarding to kind of see the expansion of this and see how this uh, award has impacted not only the composers themselves, but just the greater community. Mm, I really love that. Now, I'm, I'm going to put you on, on, we were talking, we were talking before I hit record, and you had said that perhaps, perhaps, somebody that writes for the younger singer might consider submitting to this your yeah list. you know I, I was thinking we were, we were talking right before this and and i had been thinking about this recently and i was thinking you know why wouldn't there be the case for a great set for a younger singer you know that could be submitted by a composer who loves writing for that audience and and connecting in that way and when we when we talk about some of the ways we're expand we all in in the singing community have expanded our horizons about what is art song and what is song and what you know what is the genre and what do we think about how it's expanding and how it's going in new directions. And we think about all of the ways that we're talking about diversity and inclusion. Uh, that seems to me an obvious one for us to set our sights on and for us to kind of encourage, because we do want, as, as you know so well, and you have uh, lived out in, in providing really quality uh, material and resources, both for teachers, but so much more so for the singers themselves to enjoy and connect with, um, that we need to be fostering more of that and finding ways to, um, to bring something maybe a little different to that group of singers and the teachers who teach them and think, you know, I, I don't know, I taught, you know, some children before, but that's not a big part of what I do. But when I think about some of the teachers I talk to, I don't hear them talking a lot about 
oh, let, why don't we learn a whole set of songs, you know, that you could sing on our spring recital or, you know, it's, it's, let's learn this song. Let's, you know, let's get ready for Nats auditions and, or, you know, whatever kinds of things we're doing. Uh, but I, I like to think about how that could maybe transform and get kids more interested in art song in general and the, the more expansive kinds of things that they could do if they chose singing as a career. I, I love that. And again, I love, I love how diverse and how inclusive everyone is really becoming mindful about and aware of. And, and I love that. And to my composer friends who are listening, get to work. There we go. <laughs> Um, now we have one more program that is coming up. Oh, sorry. Uh, the deadline, the deadline for the art song composition award. What is that? That, that deadline is December 1st. Okay. So that's coming up and, and obviously score and recordings have to be score and, uh, and a recording. Yeah. A digital audio file is fine. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, alive necessarily, uh, with, with, accompaniment you know a lot of times in during the pandemic for instance a lot of composers you know made a track and then they had to send it off to one of their singer friends who then recorded it and then they submitted it uh so you know we've there's a lot of flexibility in how you do those things and, and that's all explained on the website as well Beautiful. Now we have one more uh, opportunity coming up in the new year, which is the Nats Winter Workshop. So can you give everyone a little bit of information about what's coming up? Yeah, Damar Neal, who's our vice president for workshop, has put together just a great uh, winter workshop lineup with 12 different presenters. Uh, the theme is matters of style, so uh, it's it's quite eclectic. Uh, in the kinds of things that and the, the topics that are going to be uh, covered. Uh, and we're pleased to have the Manhattan School of Music hosting us uh, on their campus. And we're, we have rooms uh, reserved at the Aloft Hotel in Harlem, which is a few blocks away from the campus. And I have never... St- well, I can't say I'd never stayed in New York for this cheap, but um, <laughs> the room rate is like $109 a night oh, or something. Oh, wow. Um, you know, totally ridiculous low rate. So uh, it's worth it just to get the hotel rate and come and stay a couple of extra days if you want and, and take in some other things in New York, some shows. I was just there this last week, uh, this weekend, to see a show at the Met and saw uh, Carolina Change and Waitress with Sarah Bareilles on Broadway, as well as Fire Shut Up in My Bones at the Met. And that was a great weekend. It was you know, my first real trip back to New York. Um, what was it? Can I ask you what it was like to be back in the theater and seeing live it was performances? Just so great. And, yeah. you know, I felt comfortable. They had all the protocols in place. You know, they checked everybody's vaccine cards, uh, all of that, you know, and everybody had a mask on and nobody complaining. Uh, everybody just really enjoying being, you know, back. The performers were just on fire about, you know, in every show I went to. Uh, and even in the restaurants I was went to, they were asking for vaccine cards there. You know, they have a big mandate in New York. And I, you know, we were even sitting close to the 
the the door in one restaurant and they turned away several people who either didn't have actual vaccination or they weren't even allowing people with tests uh, within the last few days to come into some restaurants. So I felt, you know, as safe as I could be, you know, in, in, in places that had a lot of people in them. And we ate outdoors several times as well. So it is, it is so wonderful to see people seeing music, people performing again, people being able to go back to in-person lessons where it's safe to do so. It's just so, it, it feels like it's starting to come around. I mean, we, we we're not through this and we still have to be very vigilant, but I love that you were able to enjoy some music and uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. When is the deadline for people to register for the winter workshop? Early registration deadline is November 15th, okay. but you can register all the way up, you know, till the day of the, you know, the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to get that little bit of a discount, November 15th is the day to get your registration in. And, um, and, and, you know, I encourage people to go to the website. We've got some great sessions. Um, Faye Fox, for instance, who's a really well-known um Photographer also happens to be a singer, but she's kind of moved into kind of the business and style of professional headshots. She's, you know, she's got credits in Vogue and Esquire and Opera News and taking a lot of photos at the Met for uh, different productions and different people. Um, And and then Aaron Grant, who's kind of working with her, who's an uh, artist manager in New York City. Uh, so they're going to be doing a really interesting session, I think, on that. And it's been a while since we've really talked about that. And then we're going to have Noah Kagiyama, who's uh, most best known to most people as uh, the Bulletproof Musician guy. Uh, and he runs the Bulletproof Musician website and all the resources associated with that. So he's a performance psychologist. He works at Juilliard uh, and a lot of other places. Uh, and he just has some wonderful you know, research, but also just some really practical kind of life hack kind of things for us all. I happened to work with my students earlier this fall uh, in our very first uh, studio class, I said, we're going to talk about you know, practicing. And I said, everybody, you go to the website, and you can take this little little quiz uh, on his website, and it gives you a little rating of some things based on, you know, the kinds of things you feel like you need help with. And then it starts sending you resources every few days. And I've just found uh, that some of my students come in, oh, I read this and I tried that and it just worked, you know? Uh, And so it's a lot about, you know, just this idea of how we think about practicing. How do we think about performing? You know, how do we think about getting ourselves ready for different aspects of that? So um, how to make ourselves kind of pressure proof as a singer. So that's going to be really good, I think. And then we have, you know, uh, Justin Moniz, who's a wonderful Nats member in New York City, doing some pop rock uh, pedagogy things, as well as uh, working on some physical body body work. And then we have Nils Newbert, who's uh, going to talk about singing in German, another person talking about singing in Italian. Um, and then thinking about kind of our overall 
personal performance technique and thinking about how we kind of put ourselves together as a professional. Um, Scott Perry is going to be presenting on that. So it's just going to be a really wonderful time, I think. And of course, it's really our first kind of live national event that's kind of open, you know. Uh, and so I'm really excited about that's one that we're going to be able to do at New York City, which is a great place for people to go. But uh, the Manhattan School has wonderful facility. We're going to also have, you know, the finals of the Nats Artist Awards and the National Music Theater Competition. I guess if I had a disappointment from my visit to New York City last week, it was that originally I had planned to go see uh, Michael Maliakel, who was one of our past winners of the music theater competition as Aladdin in Aladdin. Oh, he's the new Aladdin wow. on Broadway. And that show got shut down for two weeks. Oh, no. Due to all their, yeah, COVID. They had a little outbreak and one of the course members, I think, contracted it. And oh, no. It. So they shut down for two weeks to make sure everything kind of settled down and they could right. restart. So I missed it. So that's on my list when I come oh. back in January. So. Oh, Alan, I can't thank you enough for coming and talking to me and sharing all the wonderful opportunities. And uh, um, I would also probably uh, remind everybody because I, I got my email, but our, our, our renewal period is coming up too. And, you know, as somebody that goes in at like, you know, 11.59 on <laughs> the end of the year... I don't recommend that people do that. It's a little stressful, <laughs> but we do have a renewal. So for listeners who are not yet members of Nats, but are thinking about it, um, can you just go through maybe some of the, obviously all of these opportunities are amazing, but some of the benefits that people might not know about for the, for the organization. Well, first of all, I'll say that, there's net October is the best month to join if you're a new member of Nats because we have this little promotion in the last quarter of the year where if you join in the last quarter, you get your dues paid all the way through the next year. So if you join in October, you're getting three months of membership free, basically. And uh, and another thing for the Nickies out there um, <laughs> and others is that we added the capability this year of auto renewal. Oh, so you thank can you. go in when you renew this year and click the little box and uh, and enter your credit card data, which is secure in a secure place. And it next year on January 1st, it will automatically renew you and you won't have to worry about it anymore. So uh, that's a nice new feature for our members that I think is is going to be is already people are already clicking the box and saying yes, thank goodness mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it anymore, yeah. uh, which is great. And uh, but you know our our men membership benefits besides uh, you know just the opportunity to be uh, have access to our resources, of course, includes a subscription to the Journal of Singing, which you can get digitally as well as hard copy uh, and then discounts to things like our workshops and things like that access to nat student auditions for your students uh, are available to members and it's a great opportunity for feedback 
not only for you as a teacher, but for your students to get a kind of outside opinion and a third party opinion about their development and get some great comments uh, about their performances. Um, and then just the networking that's available through NATS and the ways in which we uh, are organized regionally and are by chapters uh, around the country and around North America, especially, and increasingly internationally. We, we have a couple of international chapters that have formed this year. Uh, we're really trying to serve those who need the kinds of things that NATS offers. And in a few places in the world, um, they really need to create some audition experiences for students. Um, they've done this in South Korea this past year, and this was very successful. Uh, and so, you know, we're not trying to take over the whole world, and there are many, we actually, Nats hist historically has helped create many similar organizations around the world in other countries. Uh, but there are still some places where things aren't organized and uh, and and even historically we've had people have had difficulty getting organized uh, as a, a group of voice teachers and so we're working to help those places so there's a lot of ways to connect internationally with with our growing membership as well if that's something that that interests you uh, and there are many ways for you to insert yourself into the work of NATS uh, through various committees and through the interests you have, whether it's the Art Song Coalition or uh, working with children and so, so many other kind of things that are happening. Uh, if you're interested in really what NATS is wanting to do, we have a strategic plan that's on our website and you can download that and see what our plans are kind of in the big picture. Uh, and over the next few years, uh, but it's it's certainly been a wonderful organization for me. Uh, I, I always say I grew up in Nats because the you know my first voice lesson my teacher said in college, we do this thing called Nats auditions, and <laughs> I said yeah I said yes sir, and off we went you know and and here you uh, are today and here I am today you know <laughs> all because of that. Uh, so you know it's it's uh, it's just been a great professional organization for me personally and I know for many other people and we want to share it with as many people as possible. Well, I want to thank you for all you do and, and the people that are working in NETS and, and contributing and just giving so much to our, our industry. It really is inspiring and I am going to put links in the show notes to all of the deadlines that we talked about and the websites that we talked about. Uh, and and people will visit the new website, which is looking beautiful. Um, but I'm going to have you back it, very shortly because there's a very exciting new conference and you've got some wonderful plans. And I, Alan did did give me a little heads up on some of the opportunities in the uh, 2022 conference. Um, it's in Chicago. Can I tell them that? Mm -hmm. Or do I have to edit that out? Oh, you can tell them that okay. for sure. <laughs> well, we're going to have you back and we're going to talk specifically about the upcoming uh, convention. Uh, Alan, I want to thank you for your time and, and everything you do. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks so much, Nikki.
A few weeks ago, I had a fabulous conversation with my friends, Brian Lee and Justin Peterson on their podcast, The Voice Culture Podcast. And I want to shout out because both Brian and Justin have been guests on my podcast. Wonderful conversations. Last year, uh, Brian, uh, who, by the way, is the author of Sane Singing. That is a book that should be on every voice teacher's bookshelf. It is a wonderful, wonderful look at teaching and really serving the students and helping them to see and recognize progress in their lessons. Um, But Brian and I had a wonderful conversation last season about boys' voices, changing male voices. And that conversation had lots of teacher takeaways and some repertoire recommendations, which I have uh, since used in my studio to great success. Now, Justin uh, had a wonderful two-part series on vocal Historical Vocal Pedagogy, that's what it was. A fabulous conversation. That's episodes 93 and 94. Highly recommend. If you're if you're going through the back catalog of Full Voice Podcasts, I highly recommend that you check those out. Um, both Justin and Brian are just incredibly inspired people, and um, I always love talking to them. And I have to say, if you haven't checked out their podcast, The Voice Culture Podcast, it's a hoot. Not only are they're brilliant takeaways, but there's always a good chuckle and I love their banter. And my favorite episode that they've done so far is called How to Wreck a Vocalese, which I have done um, and many of my students have done on several occasions. Anyhow, I asked permission if I could share a little clip from our interview because it was so much fun. So here's a little clip from our conversation And like I said, if you haven't checked out the Voice Culture Podcast, they are part of the NatsCast family. Um, Please do so. You'll have a fabulous time. I always tell people I feel like a general practice doctor. Oh, yeah. Right? Rather than a specialist. I always feel like, yes, the old way, the old country doctor. That's me, you know. (laughs) Come in with my toolbox and, you know, all ages and. I, I love that because it just, to me, it keeps me honest as a teacher because I have such a, you yes. have, we have such wide demographics to deal with mm-hmm. that we really have to stay on our toes with the broad range of pedagogical information that's out there rather than 18 to 22 year olds, right? Mm. Like the academic yeah. world. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. Uh, can I ask, uh, Justin, what's your youngest that you're working with right now? 11. Oh, nice. Right now. My youngest is 11, and he's a little actor, performer. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, and that's, these are all the things we're going to talk about. But, I, you know, things like um, he's a firecracker, you know, and these, you know, the younger where they are. <laughs> and you have to, <laughs> I often find that I have to dance faster, you know, yes. with the kids, within the adults. Yep. You know, yeah. I have to keep going, look over here. Now look over here. Now go over here. Now look at this, you know. Now let's go over there. You know, because, I, I mean, that's one of the the kind of uh, issues of our time, right, is kids' attention spans are so short. You, you know, know they, f- they can't hold I have, I have adults that I have to oh. do that. <laughs> sure. I have story. some adults yeah. where I have to, like, keep, I have to keep things moving because I can see that they're in the Zoom room, but mm-hmm. they're not in the right. Zoom room, yeah. so I right. have to yeah. change things up. But, mm-hmm. but I think you're right, though. Kids have that energy, and if you... Yeah. Uh, 
if you don't know how to harness it, it can it can turn ugly really quick. Truly, or it's exhausting. I often tell people I have to dance faster than they are. I have to mm. be out a, a mile or, or two ahead of them. Yep. To anticipate where then when their car might just veer off the road, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's go back here now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that. You know, I can't I can't follow them. I have to lead them. Mm. In a way, mm-hmm. you know, um, yes. it just becomes really. Um, it's an energy dance. It's an energy dance with children. I'm I having like, images yeah, of like shepherd dogs, <laughs> like, you know, rounding up the sheep, Australian you know? shepherds. Yes, yeah. exactly. Hurting the yeah. Well, I've often said it, when I started teaching small group classes with young singers, I, I actually had to bring in my assistant who had she had retired from the elementary classroom, mm. and you know I've been a private teacher for. 30, it, this is my 31st year wow. of teaching. Wow. I know. I know. I, I must have started when I was like 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, when I first started doing the small groups, um, I, uh, and, and I, this is, I shouldn't even say this. I started with like six or seven, but it was like herding cats. Yep. And I had no classroom management skills, so I had to bring Heidi in. And, and she's laughing. She's like, I usually have 26 kids. Exactly. You've got seven, and you're in the corner in the fetal <laughs> position crying. <laughs> yep. And I was like, well, maybe. So, and she was very helpful. So, oh, but, that's great. So, mm hmm. A very special thank you to my wonderful returning guests today, Dr. Shannon Coates, Dr. Alan Henderson, Brian Lee, and Justin Peterson. Thank you so much for sharing your passion, your expertise here on the Full Voice Podcast. If you have not visited our website, I would love for you to do that. Full Voice Music is dedicated. We are crazy passionate about creating wonderful resources that make voice teachers, singing students, and their parents smile. Please visit our website for wonderful songs and teaching resources that can really wow your studio. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music Productions. I wish to wash my Swiss wristwatch. I wish to use warm water. I swish and swash my swish swish. <laughs> Dang it. <clears throat> I wish to wash my... (laughs) Okay, no, no. All right. I wish to wash my Swiss wrist watch. I wish to use warm water. I swish and swash my Swiss wrist... Okay, no. Mm. I wish to wash my Swiss wrist watch. I wish to use warm water. I swish and swash my Swiss wrist... Okay. Oh, no, I'm going to do that again. I wish to wash my Swiss wristwatch. Oh, forget it. <laughs>